So the traditional suggestion for a perimortem caesar is to do a, a midline um, incision yep. uh, and get the baby out as soon as possible. Splash yep. and slash, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, it's correct. Yeah. Just a scalpel and... <coughs> Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a long time since we recorded an, an episode, so um, apologies about that. Um, it's been pretty busy. Uh, so today I've managed to corner a couple of my colleagues who work here at uh, Kingwood with me, uh, Dr. Lip um, NG and Emlyn Lee, who are both um, consultants in the anaesthetic department here. Um, do you guys want to introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about yourselves? Favourite uh, colour? Emlyn Lee, so I work here uh, at King Edward and also at Charles Gardner Hospital as a consultant anaesthetist. Um, my background uh, interest is in education and in um, teaching ALS courses yep. and EMAC um, and various other simulation instructor courses as well. Um, and uh, I think this is uh, pertinent in this case, given that we're going to be talking about uh, cardiac arrests in pregnancy. Yep. Lip. Um, my name is Lip, uh, Lip Yang Ng, it's my full name. Um, my interest is in education as well. I've done the simulation um, fellowship as a Charles Gardner, and I am currently um, running the ALS 1 course for King Edward um, and have been teaching the ALS 2 courses in Sir Charles Gardner. Um, yeah, so and also running the regular code blue drills. In yeah, King so Edward. so Emily and Lip uh, run the uh, a lot of the um, simulation training here, and you know, sort of experts in this area will certainly go over the stuff for us and do all the hard work training us all up. Um, so yeah, as Emily said, the topic today I thought we'd just have a conversation about um, the management of cardiac arrest in pregnancy, which is um, you know um, hopefully something you don't see very often because most. Most women are pretty healthy, but it does happen, and it's pretty, pretty scary and stressful for um, everyone involved. Um, so I thought, um, well, I would just like put out there. This is a hypothetical case that I made up uh, in my head, but it, but it sort of makes um, an interesting um, case to discuss um, all the different um, concepts and um, things to think about. So this is I don't know what these guys think of it, but I don't know, the, the, this is the case I came up with. You are called to a code blue medical and labour ward. Uh, a woman who's been in labour and attempting a VBAC has just collapsed while she was pushing during the second stage. Uh, she, she is unresponsive, not breathing, and, and she looks uh, in exclamation, uh, you know, speech marks, bad. She just looks bad. What so, do you think about that, guys? So firstly, I would send the <laughs> registrar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to make, sure, make sure you're on your rostered day off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously a scary thing to... Um, to, to come across, um, going down to a dark room with whale music uh, in the background <laughs> is, is never a good thing <laughs> to have to deal with. I didn't with. put that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so presumably you've got a whole team coming in to uh, help with your Code Blue Medical, yep. as we do here at King Edward. Um, and with any sort of Code Blue Medical, you need to work out what, what is going on um, as you walk in. Yep. Know, 
whether the <coughs> patient is is still pregnant or she's she's delivered at this point in time. I can't quite tell. So from yeah, so I think when I thought this up, I thought let's make it that she's she's still pregnant, but she's in the second stage, and they're just giving you the push. Okay, um, and because that introduces you know some important things. It's, uh, there's some differences in the management of people who are still pregnant, aren't they? Which is yeah. I think is good to talk about. Yeah. 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 Um, obviously, you need a team approach. You need lots of people there. Yep. You need lots of hands on deck, um, and trying to concurrently get a history of what's what's going on with the woman. Yep. Um, whether she's got any medical problems, um, what's the pregnancy-related issues that she may have had or is having, uh, while managing a, a partially arrested or Let's pretend that she policy. has arrested. What, okay. what, what's, uh, uh, we don't want to go because I think most, most people are listening probably who've been to an ALS course, et cetera, or, or, or should. Yep. Um, yeah, so but let's just brush over that and then we'll talk about um, the sort of interesting stuff about how it changes in pregnancy, uh, how we manage it differently in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So in the pregnant patient, I think time is of essence um, yep. because um, part of the resuscitation is to deliver the baby. So perimortem caesarean is yep. uh, ideally timed to be at four minutes from the time of arrest. Yep. So in this situation, the first thing is to confirm cardiac arrest. Yep. So how do you do that? What's the ARC, ARC teach us? So to confirm cardiac arrest is check for response, <coughs> a painful stimuli. So yep. usually a trapezius squeeze, yep. a, a sternal rub. And we have to be mindful. Sometimes some temporary uh, unresponsiveness could be due to aortocable compression, which has happened a few times down yeah. in the ultrasound room, uh, like a 37-weeker having an ultrasound scan lying yeah. on their back, and they've completely um, lost Passed consciousness yeah. Yeah, yep. due to aortocable compression. So we must do the things that we uh, can do quickly and easily to yep. uh, and then confirm cardiac arrest. And okay. if you're sure there's a con uh, cardiac arrest, <coughs> um, then you should start CPR and the time is ticking. Yep. And so the good thing is we do have a obstetric team covering mm -hmm. labor so so it should be pretty um, easy, or it should be easier for us than say an emergency department or something to do a perimortem Caesar. Yep. So what's the, we sort of skipped over the um, basic ALS stuff, but I mean, yeah, so, oh, so yes. do all the basic ALS stuff. Do, do we need to mention it or just move? Uh, I mean, what we always say is, what I always say is um, ALS in a pregnant patient is the same as an ALS yeah. in an adult. The key yep. three differences are um, left lateral tilt or yep. in someone who's arrested, um, what's uh, suggested is manual uterine displacement yep. rather than trying to tilt. So them. that means, so that actually means like someone physically pulls the uterus yeah. Correct. off to the side. Yep. That allows the patient to be yep. supine so that you can do, um, do chest compressions um, effectively. Yeah, because um, it's hard to get um, good chest compressions if they're on an angle, isn't it? Yes, well, correct. Hard, harder, it's still possible. Correct. Yeah. Um, so manual uterine displacement, uh, think about an early airway intubation yep. in these patients. And the third thing is perimortem caesarean section, starting within by four minutes and delivering the baby by five minutes from the onset of a, yep. a rest. And um, so with the airway management, um, don't want to get caught up on that too much because I think it's the perimortem caesar and the um, uterine displacement probably more important. But the, the classically it's taught that the airway might be a bit more difficult to manage, wouldn't it? And, um, yeah. Um, well, studies have shown that you know, um, as lady progresses in labour, the malampati score changes. Yeah. Mm. This is from one. Good so what would you guys do? I think 
Vigilant like, Viscal. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think um, it depends on what's down there, doesn't it, I, suppose, I, mm. I guess, because you don't have capnography necessarily straight away. Or we do. We do have capnography on the LifePack 15. Okay. Yeah. On mm. the if I didn't have capnography, I might just be, um, I might just put an IGL or something in. Um, but if you've got your video ringoscope and you've got capnography and you've got all the equipment you need. I, I don't know. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you can get a tube in, you get a tube in whether or yeah. not you've got a cap capnograph ready. Oh, I worry about an esophageal intubation. Depends on your sure, skill. Sure, yeah. And depend on position of the patient and how yeah. easy. It depends works. on your skill and how easy the view is and how easy it is to assess whether you've put the tube in the wrong place. Well, anyway, if we do not have capnography, we do have the colour change, the paediatrics yeah. neonates where that's in our that's, that's in our arrest bag, I believe. No, and also av available readily in labour birth suite in <coughs> the baby cot. Right. Okay. Yeah. Pandas. Yeah. Yep. All right. And now what do you need to do the um, perimortem Caesar? Oh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you need an obstetrician, hopefully, or someone with skill to yeah. get the baby out. Um, so the traditional suggestion for a perimortem Caesar is to do a, a midline um, incision yep. uh, and get the baby out as soon as possible. Splash yep. and slash, isn't it? Is yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Just a scalpel and <coughs> some... So most obstetricians, like, like in our hospital, we're lucky, obviously we're a you know, big sort of women's hospital, most of the, so the person who's doing it's probably going to be someone who's done caesareans regularly. That Most of them would be more familiar doing fanon steels. So it's yeah. okay for them to do that? Yeah. yeah. Whatever, whatever, yeah. They whatever, however you can get the baby out. Yeah. yeah. As, as quickly as possible. And, and like someone like an emergency department doctor who's doing this in the emergency department May might be happier to do, to do a midline yeah. or something. Yeah. So. Okay. Anyway, bloodless, no blood because no cardiac output. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that's probably a more uh, vigorous test of consciousness than the trapezium squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't joke about things like that. It's usually pretty obvious if, um, if, you, if you've got to the point of perimortem Caesar pack, uh, perimortem Caesar. And usually w most places have a special pack, don't they, which is um, just got the basics, oh. uh, which I is like so. a scalpel and, so. a, and, a, and a drape and packs in the pack yeah. a kidney dish and a kidney dish yeah yeah pretty much so um, all the arrest trolleys or station trolleys in our hospital have uh, have one of those in the bottom drawer to, uh, yes is that right yeah that's true every uh, resource trolley um, we were thinking about this at, at Charles Gardner Hospital um, so we, we have pregnant pe people walking around all the time and also sometimes pregnant patients on the <coughs> ward yeah um, you know what would we do if we were yeah. to have a cardiac arrest in a, in a pregnant patient um, uh, and we were talking about whether or not we should make up perimortem Caesar packs in to, to have ready next to the pregnant yep. patient if they were heavily pregnant. Um, that's something to think about. But uh, yep. a scalpel. I thought most and a emergency pack. departments would have it because any emergency department could see someone, couldn't they? Yeah, let's see, see a pregnant woman. Not sure. Thought. Yeah, pro probably. But um, yeah. up on the wards, they wouldn't have any. And no, it'd that's be, true. It would take yep. a while to get mm. just a scalpel. That's yep. all you need. Mm. Hopefully, within that's four minutes. Yep, so that's the plan in rhythm formats, yeah. And then and we've had um, perimortem seizures in our hospital in different parts of the place, and we are in the family birth centre, and mm. um, yeah. which is a quite a remote location, and elsewhere, yeah. yep. um, and, and lay ward and things like that. Yeah. So you don't you don't take these patients to theatre to do the caesarean? No, that'll take too long. And what's the long. theory? But the theory behind it is obviously that um, delivering the baby helps resuscitate the mother. Yeah. So it's not just about saving the baby's life, which some people um, mm. might think that's why they're doing. Yes, that's right. it's really because to help resuscitate the mother, relieve the vena cable compression, and take away the 
Yeah, it's a low uh, vascular resistance system in the placenta, yeah. uterine placenta bed. So if you remove the placenta, there is an auto-transfusion of blood yeah. from the uterus into the system. And also with that displacement of the aortocaval compression, so that returns some volume to the patient who might be hypovolume. And, and so how long has it been around for? The history of it's quite... Um, you guys talk yes. about it in your talks. So it's been around, <laughs> why hasn't it? And there's lots of case reports of successful return of circulation as soon as the I cesarean's done. I can't remember, like 1800s, I think they were talking about it. Yeah, initially. Sure. Well, um, I can't. I can't even remember. Late. We should look this up. We shouldn't talk about things that we have no <laughs> knowledge. But Caesarean was named after Julius Caesar. Isn't there a myth that he was delivered by Caesarean when his mum died or something? I don't know. Yeah, there was. We'll, the I'm sure we're going to get some correction, some emails correcting us for all this made up stuff. <laughs> Just coming back to this uh, case. So if yeah. she was still pushing i mean i can imagine how tricky the perimortem caesar might be just yeah. logistically if the baby's down in the birth canal and then yep. they're trying to then try and push it back up to get it out in a caesar yep. or, or pull the baby out down below it's we pay lip service to the fact that um it's got to be get the baby out between four to five minutes but um you've really got to prime yourself from the start of the arrest to yeah. actually think about how you're going to do this yeah um, so really someone should actually say like you know one you know some some members of the team should start doing the als stuff and the, probably should be someone should be nominated right from the start start thinking about getting all the equipment out and then if you have to pack it away later because she wakes up after 30 seconds when you put her on her side that's good that's all good isn't it yeah all right that was pretty good conversation so um I thought maybe we should talk about um, the, um, you know, as part of your resuscitation, thinking about the cause. Mm. So I know like um, sort of just adult resuscitation in general, the traditional um, sort of um, way of sort of running through that is I mean, the 4Hs and the 4Ts, mm. which I think is pretty useful. Mm. Um, there are other things around now. Uh, I've told I don't know what they are. But, um, but in pregnancy there are... S- definitely um, I guess certain things that are more common than than other things and so it's nice to think about all the pregnancy specific things as well um, should we reckon we what should we rattle through those first thing that comes to mind is bleeding yeah and bleeding and yep. bleeding that's that's, that's right. the commonest so cause bleed, of obstetrics is, <laughs> is obstetrics and bleeding go they love each other there's a yeah and sometimes bleeding can be concealed that's right yeah mm. so I'm thinking straight away like just that made-up story you know she's ruptured a uterus mm. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know, and they can have catastrophic bleeding so if they you know tear the, ure- the uterus tears open, and there's some big vessels involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so she could have a hypovolemic arrest. Um, but as with all uh, all of our teaching, that you must um, not get fixated on what you think that's the problem exactly might right, be. Yeah. So we don't really know what it's caused it. So we still have to. Uh, that's why the four H's and T's are there, yeah. so that you can. So um, so I guess we could use you could use that. It's good to fall back on something in a, in a um, crisis because it's just tr- it's hard to think uh, when you're under the pump. Mm. So it's nice to have the four H's and T's. So hypoxia, it's possible, I suppose. Uh, Early intubation. Yep, and it doesn't sound like that's the likely cause of what's happened in her. She hasn't, you know, developed some. Uh, okay. But you know, but, um, what else? Hypo hypotension or hypertension. Hypovolemia. Hypovolemia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So hypovolemia. So that should trigger the bleeding. Uh, we should usually think about bleeding anyway in obstetrics. There's um, also um, like relative hypo- hypovolemia. So we're talking about yeah. sepsis and vasodilation can yeah, be a right. cause of um, <coughs> of an arrest. Yeah, as and well. misdemeanors with things like epidurals and spinals, which um, are sometimes um, cause vasodilation and relative hypovolemia. 
uh, you know, unrecognised intrathecal catheter causing, yes, um, or like Lip said, um, hypovolemia because she's occluding her vena cava because she's lying supine. Mm. Um, so positioning in uh, epidurals. Um, what else? Hypo you guys help me out here. You guys teach this. Hypohypokalemia. Um, <laughs> yeah. If they have renal failure, when's the last time they had uh, yeah, dialysis? I think so like, um, so that's, so I think of, uh, you know, we had metabolic things. So we, mm. we've had a case where someone got given a bag of magnesium. Yeah. Mm. So that's like, um, that's like a drug. That's like a toxin and a, and a, and a metabolite, metabolic disorder, disorder all in one. Yeah, she, she had a perimortem seizure, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, she had, yes, she yes. had a cardiac arrest from that. Uh, yeah. And that's why the magnesium bag is now smaller. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's good. And um, so we've done all the H's. Hypothermia is probably Hypothermia, unlikely. Hypothermia, very <laughs> unlikely. Hyperthermia, I Hyperthermia, suppose. Hyperthermia, unlikely. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Extremely unlikely. So the other T's would be um, high on the list is thromboembolic event. Yeah, so a pulmonary embolus. Yeah. yeah, and we've definitely had, I know of at least two or three patients of uh, cardiac arrest from PEs, mm. uh, obstetric patients here. Yeah. Mm. Most two of them are on the, on the, on the operating table. Mm. Um, and in the obstetric related one, yeah. amniotic fluid yeah. embolism. Amniotic fluid embolism, which is actually more um, uh, like an anaphylactoid type of mm. thing. Um, but that should, you know, should trigger it if you're going through a list in your head. Yeah, think about that. Um, which is like a right heart um, syndrome and causing mm. cardiovascular collapse and then coagulopathy. And then, uh, what what's next? Tension pneumothorax. Unlikely, but I suppose possible. Maybe yeah. she's got um, a bolle and she's been pushing or valsalvering. Who knows? Extremely Asthma. unlikely. Extremely unlikely, I would have thought. But, you know. In, this, go, in this case, in this anyway. Case. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so you've got to think, I think we should use common sense in these cardiac arrests um, when we're resuscitating people. Think what is likely and what is completely you know mm. down the bottom of the list mm. the other and t is tamponade yeah, yeah and tamponade and that also seems unlikely yeah. i mean unless we're doing a procedure on them like a yeah. central line insertion for some reason mm. yeah sometimes um, autoimmune disease like sles yeah pericardial effusion sort of you know i don't i think you should like um consider doing maybe we'll talk about this you consider doing like bedside echo and stuff just mm. really basic yes. thing like that you can see tamponade or you could see a bigger fusion yes um but you wouldn't be expecting it, and it would be a very rare condition, I think. But mm. sometimes in some some pregnant patients, we do have we have coexisting you know, renal disease and other weird things going on. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we did have a, a woman who died uh, many years ago from coronary artery dissection. I don't know if that can call, can dissect out into the pericardium and fill up the pericardium. I don't know. Presumably. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly, yes. That is a, a weird syndrome that is associated with pregnancy. Mm. She was found, I think she was um, found arrested postpartum and everyone mm. thought it was a PE, but it was found out uh, to actually be a coronary artery dissection. So mm. some weird things can occur. Is this how they are prone to splenic artery dissection? Yeah, that's yeah, right. So splenic, splenic artery, artery aneurysm. aneurysm rupture mm. is another mm. unusual thing that I've seen. We saw one, saw one here. We've had a woman many years ago who ended up getting 40 units of blood because mm. it happened to her. She arrested uh, twice. Uh, I think yeah. in the mortality report in the last... Um, in the last report, uh, there were a couple of cases that died from um, splenic, splenic artery aneurysm. Yep, and that's almost an unusual. Uh, that's a quite unusual thing. It's almost worth a, its own podcast episode because mm. it's, it's unusual and rare, but mm. but intriguing. Eighteen minutes. Oh yeah, lip. <laughs> You're right. Okay. Well, we covered most things. Lip. Come on. Okay. So <laughs> we're talking about that. So. Um, and then, yeah, I wanted to bring up, what are your guys' thoughts about using point-of-care ultrasound in an arrest? Oh, in a period. Yeah, yeah. Can you can rule out hypovolemia if you look at the donut sign. 
I think, um, yeah, I think it um, depends on your resources. But um, if you've got plenty of people and, you, and, and you're doing all the basics right and you're doing the perimortem Caesar and you're doing all the other stuff and then, or especially helpful in the, uh, after you get a return of circulation. Mm. And, but I reckon the first thing I would do, I've thought about this, the first thing I would do with my ultrasound machine is stick an art line in. Uh, maybe have a quick look and make sure, you know, is the heart empty or full or something. But put, <laughs> having an arterial line is good when, once you've got circulation back. Um, yep. Definitely. And... Um, so, yeah. so my for, for a little bit of reading that I've done is that when you have an arrest of any sort, it's quite often the right heart fills up and gets distended, and it's, mm. it's a non-specific thing. It doesn't really help you that much. I guess if it's empty, then you might think they're bleeding. I mean, it's 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 hard it, to know. In it's the heat really of the hard. moment, it's it, really hard it to would image be the heart. Very tricky. Yeah, I and I think it, trying to image the heart while people are doing CPR, you could you could actually cause harm rather and than and a pregnant gully. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and someone who's preparing to splash and slash. And yeah, yeah. There's just too many people around. Yeah, it so may I think, not be worthwhile think, in the four minutes. Yeah, so I wonder whether, you know, when there's no circulation, just do all those other things we've already talked but, about. Yeah. But, but but often uh, when they do get a circulation back, they're still really critically unwell and they can then arrest again yeah. if you haven't figured out what's going on and, tr- and sorted it out. Yeah. Anyway. As yeah. per ALS, I mean, the ALS algorithm, shockable and non-shockable. Yep. And when they come back to life, um, A to E assessment, and that's when you do probably echo in circulation. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we haven't mentioned that, but arrhythmias, you know. So mm. so um, so women could have arrhythmias. We didn't talk about local anaesthetic toxicity. Mm-hmm. So there have been some case reports, not in, our, uh, in the UK and other places, where people get given, you know, there's a lot of local anaesthetics in lay ward and... Um, there's definitely been women who've died because they got given bags of bubivacaine, or um, mm-hmm. yeah. and then there's other women who have things like you know prolonged QT syndrome yes. and yeah. other unrecognised conditions. We've had a few with AICD coming. Yeah, uh, patients yeah. with AICD from channelopathies, Brugada And years ago, I had a case with uh, uh, um, a woman who had a um, a code blue cesarean coronary because she had a fetal bradycardia, and when she arrived in theatre, she had this um, maternal tachycardia of 220. And they thought, the, the, the team thought she was having an abruption. So she got given like two mils of thiopentone and tubed. Um, and then they delivered the baby and there was like no abruption, no bleeding. But on induction, she flipped back into sinus rhythm <laughs> and had a normal blood pressure. And um, we think that probably what happened was she, she had an arrhythmia in labor ward, right. uh, which caused quite severe hypotension because right. she was going at 220 beats a minute, yep. which then caused the fetus to get distressed. Um, she didn't say it was complicated because she didn't speak English and um, mm. so she... Sounds pretty rare. Yeah, but there was like an arrhythmia leading to a code blue cesarean and it was a maternal cause of the... Yeah, right. So arrhythmias, because we give them a lot of drugs that can cause arrhythmias, don't we? Mm. Sounds like a good uh, simulation scenario. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Viva, part two Viva. Yeah. That was rare, isn't it? So, um, all right, I think we've done most, covered most things. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, what about, uh, um, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, with all of these rare cases, then you need to practice you know, yep. in order to remember all the things that you need to do. Uh, and um, simulation scenarios are, are often really yep. good in eliciting all this knowledge that we need to um, have at the forefront of our brains. Yep. Um, and also the simulation practice will encourage the team members to be aware that the left uterine displacement works uh, as a team with uh, chest compression so you yep. do not let go left you try and displacement as you're doing chest compression and both of you stay on um, 
left atrial displacement and chest compression while they're charging uh, the defibrillator. Mm. Yep. So that can only come into practice when you're doing a simulation exercise. So how do people, uh, listeners or whatever, how do they get practice? What, where's some, we were talking about this before we started, you know, simulation courses or experience. So mo- a lot of people do like just sort of ALS courses, which are adult life support. Do they incorporate pregnancy-related scenarios? Or? With the ALS 2 course, which is um, run by the Australian Resuscitation Council yep. over a two-day course, um, <coughs> there is a small component um, in that that has special circumstances, of yep. which one is pregnancy. Um, but if you actually wanted a specific obstetric uh, course, which includes ALS, um, the management of obstetric uh, emergencies, emergencies and trauma, and trauma. Yeah. mullet yeah, yeah course is is a really good one which is again another two and a half day yeah. uh, simulation intensive uh, course yeah. uh, unfortunately i don't think they have one in perth no um, well we run some i mean every, i think different places do different things don't they mm. but i guess if you work in a women's hospital or your area of practice yeah. obstetrics and mm. that sort of thing then you you should train to, for the things that you're going to see you know you don't yeah. really worry we, we do that here in our ls one course when we yeah. teach with emlyn and kate luscombe mm. so if there are enough uh, interests yeah then we probably can run courses for external candidates if the department is yeah yeah <coughs> so simulation training is the best way to learn this sort of stuff and doing gr- well and doing grain it in your head and yeah. It's, it's more than the algorithm, it. it's also the teamwork. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly right. So practicing um, in the teams that you normally work in is good, isn't it? That mm-hmm. we've been trying so to do we, a bit we, of that. We run in-time courses here at King Edward, and I know that um, we used to take that out to the rural hospitals as well, like yep. um, Geraldton and, and, and Bustleton or Bunbury. We used to take yep. the in-time course out. It's a, a day course, uh, which involves a whole multidisciplinary um, approach Yep. to um, obstetric patients and crisis in obstetric patients. Uh, so I think anyone who is interested can um, can ask the PGME department here when the in-time courses are and whether they can come along to one of the in-time courses. Yep. That, that's, um, that's accepted yeah. here. Yeah, or they can get in touch with you, Roger. No, don't get in touch with me. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with simulation training. <laughs> well, I think it's a good... I think it's good, and I have been involved, but I don't run it or organise it. Um, oh, the one final thing, so we might close it up because we've gone over the magic 25 minutes where mm-hmm. all our listeners will be turning off their um, mm-hmm. podcast and parking their car in the, in the car park after their, dr- their 25-minute drive to work. <laughs> um, we were going to run through all the, just as just like an anecdotal sort of interesting, we're going to run through all the different causes of um, cardiac arrest and pregnancy that we've either, either been involved in or heard of ourselves. We've mentioned a few already. So pulmonary embolus has been the, the, yeah, the so latest I've seen, ones. Yeah, so most recently we've uh, I've seen pulmonary embolism. Hypovolemia, mm-hmm. it's like see it all the time. It's usually pretty brief. Um, we, most people really see it happening when we do aortic compression and fill them up with blood yeah. and, and fluids. Sepsis. sepsis. Yep. yep. I know uh, there's been a couple of cases of that both here and other hospitals. And um, I mentioned the coronary artery dissection. So AFE, yep. So I know there's yep. been uh, women who have died from AFE. Um, in hospitals that I've worked in in the last few years, mm. um, uh, magnesium toxicity. Magnesium toxicity. Yep. Um, I know of um, a case where, where a woman had this weird um, hematological condition causing a massive hemolysis. That was a, a long time ago, and that was um, I don't know how you prevent that. Uh, basically, she she developed that postpartum. Um, 
What else? Anyone else heard mm. of other things? I think, <laughs> I think all the cases, people. all the cases that came to um, Charlie's in ICU, uh, there was one that had um, fetal death in utero, but that's pretty, pretty yep. rare. And sepsis as yep. part of that. So the common things are common, aren't they? So sepsis, bleeding, AFE, um, and if you look at all the UK reports in, in Australia, I think, um, yeah, yeah, those are the main causes. Yeah. So I think in summary, good CPR. Yep. And get the baby out. Yeah, and then try and figure out what's going, what's the underlying cause while you're doing all that resuscitation. Yep. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Good talk. Thanks, Roger. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please go to the iTunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it. Write a review. This will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the iTunes menu. If you're also interested, please go to our website at www.opsandguinecritcare.org where there will be lots of show notes and links to uh, interesting videos related to the topic that you just listened to. See you again next time.